all, I'm Misha. Whoa! I, I just wanted to throw you Whoa. off. <laughs> Did you to see my face? All. I was like... Yeah. Wait, what? I thought that was me. No. <laughs> no, I was... My brain was like, okay, say cat, say cat. And I was like, no, that's not her name. <laughs> I've been like dying to do that for weeks. I just wanted to like throw you off. I'm Kat. And I'm Misha. And this is Unlearned. <laughs> oh, that was, that was as satisfying as I anticipated. It would be. Wow. Your face is priceless. I look shocked. <laughs> so we are back at it. it back at is... it with the white bands. <laughs> with <laughs> Black Women's History Month, our favorite time of the year. I didn't mean to uh, mention white. I'm sorry. It's Black Women's History Month. I should not have done that. <laughs> anyway, so uh, on our last mini I we were just kind of talking about something that we were pondering or that I had to ponder, like wake up in the middle of the night and ponder. And now we're going to discuss a couple of things that we've been pondering in the daytime. Mixing mm. it up a little. Get, trying to get our sleep, trying to get our beauty rest. All right. So... One of the first things that, like, <laughs> I was, like, talking to my spouse about this today, and there's was just, like, Misha, like, what is your opinion on this? And it's just, like, what defines a family? Because legally, once we got married, we, him and I became family. And I'm, like, but no, I have a romantic relationship. You don't have romantic relationships with your family because my only standard of family has been, like, my mom, my brother, my cousins, people who I have no desire to have a romantic relationship with. Can I say something, Kat? It just blew my mind. But it... Go ahead. No, I'm gonna let I you know, finish. No, no. Go ahead. I'm going to let you finish. Okay. <laughs> I, so I don't have a good answer to this because I feel like there are probably some high-key real academic answers <laughs> about what a family is. But a few years ago, I was sitting there thinking, and I was like, hmm, saying sister-in-law is kind of messed up. <laughs> Sister, you know, like, why would my brother, he married someone, they're having sex, but I call <laughs> her my sister? I was like, this seems real messed up to me. Yeah. Anyway, exactly. so I'm with you on this. Where did, Married. yeah. What? Because you're having a romantic relationship, but you can't continue to make families without like two people in a romantic relationship deciding, hey, we want to have kids, period. Like, and then that becomes a family, but then they get married. It's just like kind of this never ending. It has to start. It has to start with two people who are like, hey, I love you. Or even I like you. Let's let's adopt some kids. Adam and Eve, let's, we're all family. But we have sex with each other. So did Adam and Eve. I But they're not like <laughs> family in my head. They're not family, but their kids had to have sex. Like I just don't I just can't understand. So let me let me ask you a question. I want to make a distinction. So so for you family is somehow is it somehow comprised of being blood related, like, like literally being related, or are there some people that you're so close with that you consider them to be family? But because there's not that sexual aspect, that includes them. Does that make sense? I mean, I, like, I definitely have friends who I consider family. Like I look at you like a sister, mm-hmm. but also, like I, 
where am I going with this? I, I would like, I also don't have that desire towards you. Yeah. So it's very easy for me to be, pl- I see. So that's interesting. interesting. So it seems like the presence of a sexual relationship kind of distanced them in your head. This would not work in South Carolina <laughs> because hashtag incest. Okay? <laughs> JK, my South Carolina listeners. JK. But seriously. Um, <laughs> I just like, it's just, I can't understand him being my family, my family member. I can't understand his family being my family None, like none of this in my head makes sense to me. Can one of y'all, can one of y'all listeners please explain it to me? Like, I get it. I get it. It takes this, this, this combination to begin a family. But then, but then what? And that's why I wanted to ask. So if you and your partner decided not to have kids, would it just be like 60 years of not feeling like a family? Exactly. Like, I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Would it? Because, like, you have a romantic relationship. Interesting. It just doesn't... I just can't figure this out. Listeners, please contact me. Please help me. I wish I I'm could phone keep. a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, if you're listening, you got something to say on this. I bet you do. <laughs> but, like, we would love, love, love to hear from you. This is, like, last time when I was, like, my late night thoughts. I had them all figured out because I had silence and time and so <laughs> now like this is just something i cannot particularly wrap my head well, around and i think if this is something so this is not a specialty of mine i've done no reading on this but i wonder if this is a feeling that has existed over millennia or if this is something a new feeling that people are having because i assume even still today there are particular cultures who practice marrying like their first cousin right yeah were their brother or sister. Mm-hmm. And so there is the idea that you do procreate with your family members or that you don't go far out of the family to procreate. So in that way, there is this constant sexual relationship that is happening within a particular family. And I wonder if because, at least in the West, that type of s- structure is becoming more and more problematized, there is a way in which... We're kind of like sex with family, bad. Anybody who have sex with should not be family. <laughs> Therefore, if I'm having sex with this person, they're not family. I don't know if that's a particular train of thought, but I'm kind of in my head. I'm thinking, I'm like, there had, there was, and there is, and there had to be a particular time when these, these ways of thinking were tied. Do you know what I mean? I mean, no, they're still tied. I watch uh, Ali a lot of shows about poly- polygamy mm-hmm. in like parts of the Southwest in Utah. And like uncles marry their nieces all the time. It's like they'll allow first cousins to get married, sometimes siblings. Like, I mean, it's still it's practice in America yeah. currently. I but many people look down on that. Well, yeah, for a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'm not saying where I fall on the line. I'm trying to remain a hundred percent neutral on this. <laughs> but I just I do think it's very interesting because I. I'm not married currently, but I do feel like I observe a difference with people. You know, there are people who don't necessarily want to be married and they consider their partner to be their family or they consider their partner and their child to be their family. 
But in my head, there's, you know, I think it may, mainly because I was really religious, there's this idea of being married and becoming a family with or without children. Like that legal ceremony or religious ceremony denotes like a family coming into mm-hmm. existence. Cat, so is it just is like say, all it's legal? a hard question. I just feel like it's all legal because when I think of instances where my partner is my family, it's like if I'm in, he's my emergency contact. If I'm in the hospital, mm-hmm. they're calling the next of kin. He ain't my kin. Like <laughs> we, he's a white man. <laughs> Do we look alike? No. <laughs> so like he has full rights over my life and vice versa because he is my closest relative. It's a spiritual family. It's, it's a spiritual family. But what? It's like I think like. It makes sense if we look at it solely legally. Yeah. But if we look at it sociologically, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It just doesn't work for me. It's not a concept I can understand. I would love if somebody w- listening to this is religious, particularly mm-hmm. religious, because I think that when I was Christian, I had a much different way of looking at marriage. And the idea of marriage was literally that our souls are that we became one. Like we were one unit. And that I think made me think about marriage in a much different way. Whereas when I remove that religious lens, it's much more of, well, then what is the point of, because even, even if we get married, I don't believe anything about no souls colliding. Do you know what I mean? Like that's an overly (laughs) simplified way of saying that. But to me, it's a legal ceremony. It's yes, it's cultural. It says something, but it's not necessarily, it doesn't have that same weight as it did when I was religious. So if there are any religious people, I would love to know, like, can you, can you, or do you think about this differently because there's that extra layer to it? You know, yeah. anyway, well, so we've been, there's another thing we've been pondering and discussing and trying to understand and figure out backstory. I have been experiencing an increased amount of like street harassment. Like the other day, this dude literally tried to grab me as I was like walking towards him and I'm like fucking freaked out. And like I had, and I'm to the point where I, if someone I'm like pretty sure is following me on the train, I'll wait till the very last second to get off the train. Mm. I'll just dash and I'll run up the stairs. And it's just like, I've just been feeling like hella unsafe around men lately, just Mm. hella unsafe. Um, and like normally I'm like with a dude, if I felt threatened, I'm like square up, let's do this. Mm. Like you want to, I'll put up a fight, trust me. Um, but like now I'm just like, Ugh. like don't don't hurt me. Like I feel more like shrinking inside of myself, which is like the opposite of like who I normally am. Cat, I've been doing that ever since that incident happened with the man on the train with me. Like I feel like I used to. No, I didn't walk around naive, but I didn't necessarily walk around with this idea of like, oh, people are out to get me, you know? Mm -hmm. And now I feel that like whenever somebody, especially if somebody looks like that man who like almost punched me in the face, Mm -hmm. I kind of like cower. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, ah. And I don't know the way to kind of get over that or not necessarily be afraid of every man that walks by me. But anybody who looks like they could potentially beat me up i'm scared of (laughs) (laughs) i get that it's like why are you all scaring me why am i so nervous all the time i'm gonna take jujitsu that's what i (laughs) it comes down to like this led to a conversation between misha and i about street harassment and gender performance so like me like 
I can't normally, I care about like what I wear, how I look, but I don't wear makeup. I don't wear makeup most days. Like 90% of the time you see me, it's like my bare face. So I don't not, I don't actually really care like what I look like when I go outside, what I'm wearing when I walk my dog. I don't care if I have um, Crocs on, like don't judge me. But like, <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> but it's just like I, leggings, a hoodie, like chill out i'm going to the grocery store i'm walking my dog right. i don't need to I'm be to beautiful right like baseball cap on like i'm not trying to look good for you um and and like that's that's the look i've been rolling with all week as like i go to appointments as i like just kind of mm-hmm. chill like i'm just doing regular errands and the increase of street harassment just does not make sense does not make sense to me like conceptually in any way <laughs> Cause like, yo, like I wear really cute stuff to work because like that's how I express myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I love colors, I love patterns. I mean, I still I don't wear makeup, but like, fuck makeup. I, mean, I like I love makeup, but I, I don't I don't need to put it on every day. Now that I hear you saying like a lot of this stuff out loud, I wonder if it's some kind of weird class thing that's playing out into the mind of these people who are harassing us. Because when I think about when I'm followed, mm-hmm. when people are catcalling me, when people are just all over me and I'm like, please leave me alone. It's when I look like I just got done working out. I don't even work out, but I look <laughs> like that a lot of the time. It always happens when that's the case. Now, if I look like I did when I just got back from my work trip where I'm like in a blazer and a nice mm-hmm. this and my hair's done and my makeup's done. Nobody's trying to talk to me, you know, <laughs> which I really like. <laughs> Just leave me alone. But I wonder, you know, and when I first got to Chicago, I had my hair like in a bun, no makeup. I looked terrible. And this dude ran out oh, of this place, jumped on a bike and started chasing me down the street. Extra. It was terrifying. And so Too I much. wonder if there's a level of approachability people feel when you don't necessarily look like oh i run the world do you know what i mean well i mean maybe not your sister yeah but it's a much like they ain't trying to grab her do you know what i mean they like it's clear she's out of their league <laughs> like they're like oh you you effing fine you know like they yeah, but yeah but it's rare that i feel somebody actually like try to pull my sister now mm-hmm. when she came to chicago it was disgusting because <laughs> i was like yo i ain't never got cat called like this <laughs> you know but she wasn't, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not around her in South Carolina where, um, where she currently lives. And so I don't know how people treat her, mm-hmm. but I wonder if she does get that level of, I'm about to grab you or I feel right. like I, right. I own you or that kind of right. thing. I mean, I don't know, but it is true. Whenever I look my roughest, that's when they come out the woodwork. Exactly. Like, I don't I, get it. I mean, maybe it's just like we appear more approachable. Because it's just kind of like, I'm not, I don't want to necessarily call makeup a, a facade. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's more of an enhancement, like highlighting some of your best features. Um, but like when you're, you know, plain face and you're casual, because we're both attractive women. Yeah, like 100%. Just, <laughs> just like plain face. And I guess that makes us seem more approachable. But at the same time please don't follow me right terrifying like please don't grab me stop following me that's i okay so 
let's like discuss more about how we perform gender through our clothing. Oh, this has been getting on my nerves so much lately. So like I said, I, I got back from a business trip, obviously because I was on a trip and I'm an externally facing person at my organization. I had on, you know, a nice top, nice pants, nice shoes, blazer, hair done, makeup done, looking good. Okay. <laughs> but I hated it because it's not necessarily who I am. I've always been a person that just doesn't really care about what I wear. And I'm actually moving towards more of a uniform. And I just want, you know, like if I was telling Kat, if you know about Uniqlo, is it Uniqlo? Yeah, it's Uniqlo. It's basically all 100% basics. And yeah. I walked in like a kid in a candy shop. I was like, oh my God, is this what people feel like when they're shopping? I got a rush. It was like the first time I've ever received a rush when walking into a store. And I was like, okay, I get it. I get the compulsive buying now. But like, I'm not necessarily, I don't really care. You know, I want to wear plain clothes because I mm-hmm. don't really want to spend time thinking about if this matches or this matches. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to wear eyeliner and lipstick, but ultimately I, I go barefaced most days. Mm-hmm. My hair, I just throw it up into a bun. (laughs) So I don't really care on a daily basis. And I knew that I had to put so much effort into this trip because I am an externally facing person. And I knew I would not necessarily be taken as seriously if I walked in an outfit that I normally wear. And I felt this extra layer of dressing in a much more, quote, feminine way in order to be taken seriously. Which just made me so disappointed in myself because I was like, I do feel a level of having to perform this in order to be perceived as a competent female or competent woman. Mm -hmm. And yet this does not represent how I feel at all in any way. So I will, you know, that's the balance I'm trying to figure out now is like, there's a certain level of a certain type of femininity. Mm -hmm. I feel the need to perform when I'm in professional settings, which does not fit how I perform in other every, every day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm hard cat. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know. Help me. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. You said, I'm hard instead of it's hard. <laughs> Lols. <laughs> but I am <laughs> for Uniqlo. <laughs> I'm hard for Uniqlo <laughs> with the metaphorical penis. <laughs> God, that place was amazing. If you, anybody from Uniqlo hears this, we don't really have sponsors, but please, Lord, sponsors, give us some clothes. We'll take a, we'll take a picture. We'll put it on Instagram. It has so much white and black and navy, which is like the opposite of what I like. I like colors, patterns, dresses, dresses, dresses. Right, can't be looking right, y'all. <laughs> Cat be looking right. I walked in in black pants, gray sweater, black boots. Cat's over here in a white socks hat and a boy by sweater. You see personality. <laughs> but like, that's how I express myself. And like, I know that I've kind of grown into femininity over the years because I, I think I'm like always more or less outside of childhood practice femininity. I was like definitely a tomboy mm-hmm. growing up, but I think that like the older I get, the more femme I get. I'm not mm. femme enough to where I gotta wear makeup every day because I'm just I can't I can't I I don't I'm I like so sleep lazy. I like sleep too yeah. much. Just like you know, um, and like nor do I nor do I care to be, but it's just like I even if I'm not outwardly femme. 
I like because no, like I'm wearing a baseball cap and like a sweatshirt and black leggings. Like I still want to be expressive. Like I want you to know that this is like my personality. Like mm. I love the white socks. Right. I love saying boy bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh my god, I like this. I love black leggings. <laughs> and it's just like my standard rolling out the house look. Um, but like. I I mean I think that color like colors and patterns and dresses really kind of help and black leggings like I can't live without mm-hmm. black leggings but that they really help me express myself and they really like I my clothes have really become a way to like kind of mm-hmm. outline my character and my appearance. See that has become the opposite for me. <laughs> Which is so interesting because I in uh, college I saw this really interesting TED talk that was like clothes are the way like they're the way you express your personality and who you are and I was like yes awesome I'm an artist <laughs> so I wear colors you know I wear patterns I wear all these funky clothes and then I realized for me at least I, there's a certain level of that that just feels quite southern in mm-hmm. a lot of ways like just all the colors I'm just like oh my god so for one. I think that I got to the point of where I really questioned what do I think I mean when I say my, my clothing or the way I wear my hair or the way I wear my, wear my makeup expresses who I am or something about my, you know, my personality or my mm-hmm. creativity. And ultimately I came to the, to the decision that my head is constantly a madhouse of thinking of some kind of weird thing at all times <laughs> of writing music at all times and that is where my creativity exists. And so spending this extra time on putting together patterns and clothing, I was like, it feels like such a waste of my creative energy. <laughs> I was like, I could be in this 30 minutes. It's taken me to match this. Cause yes, I am not competent when it comes to fashion. I could have meditated or wrote a song well, at least one line of a song because it takes me very long to write <laughs> yeah I was you know? like, you know, right so, for me i was just like i think that who i am is a pretty complex individual but also just like simple and my music is simple and i think i'm pretty much an old man <laughs> and i don't think there's a problem without just being who I am. Do you know what I mean? And so like, there's this conflict in my head of being a very creative person, but in a world where I think creativity is represented in like, if you're creative, creative, you're chaotic, you're colorful, you have tons of piercings and you do this and you have short bangs, you know, I don't know. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know. I like keep a pretty strict calendar, drink a lot of water pretty lightweight don't drink that much alcohol and i don't really care if i'm looking cool or not you know what i mean <laughs> i can sing and that's that's what matters so i'm it's so hard in a very basic way i'm like my clothes just represent that i think i'm very simple and i don't want to spend a shit ton of time mm-hmm. picking out my clothes but then there is the idea that you are expected to perform and if you want to excel in in particular fields you have to perform so that's where i'm at cat as somebody who does hr help me (laughs) 
help me. Maybe if you were like someone who is a sociology professor, someone who's a psychologist, like how am I gonna help you? Because I'm confused. I'm if at most I am your career coach. At most, don't get to. I can't handle your (laughs) your gendered crisis. I don't know. Maybe I'll just do it one day and see what happens. I'll just wear my black pants, loafers, and a white shirt and be like, here I am. Here I am. And I'll sing it <laughs> so that they can't not like me. <laughs> so uh, those are those have been our thoughts and our discussions. And if you ever want to know what like a real life conversation was between us while sober, because I know last time we did this while intoxicated i was um, not pretty yeah if this is just like us sitting on my couch and hurting each other's brains with like philosophy it's we, terrible it's no my brain like still hurts from our previous conversation which i cannot bring up because i i can't deal i'm, I'm barely conceptualizing family and romantic relationships. okay listeners please help me please explain no don't help cat help me help me learn and unlearn <laughs> and my, like my brain hurts from all of our conversations because they were just so serious i just want to live i just i know why are I all know. these social constructs imposed on us <laughs> and cause us to have constant crises that's another complicated question <laughs> well we know you guys all came here for Black Women's History Month. And you're like, who hey, are hey, we going to highlight? Hey, hey, who? Who? Hey, who? Oh, I'm trying saying? to be Migos. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Enough with that. Uh, and this week's installment of Black Women's History Month, we are going to feature Auntie Maxie herself, Maxine Waters, the U.S. rep for California's 43rd con- Congressional District. Mm. So you guys are all like, oh, yeah, I saw her on the news recently. She seems like really cool. Millennials have been like thirsty for her, tweeting at her, being like, millennials, stop being so thirsty. Right. <laughs> millennials get it together and so she's been like low-key the shade queen of millennials mm-hmm. um now that michelle's out of the white house we right. need somebody else oh michelle i still miss her desperately so a little bit about maxine waters um she was born in 1938 in missouri and after graduating high school her and her family moved all the way to la in California, she worked in a garment factory and was a telephone operator and then became an assistant teacher. So you can start anywhere and go anywhere. Just a reminder, because that's pretty freaking dope that in the 60s, she went from a garment factory worker, a telephone operator, assistant teacher, went to school, got a degree in sociology, and then created a political career for her entire life. Like, that's, like, low-key... literally goals. Kind of inspirational. Like, I don't want to pursue politics because it's a filthy life. But I'm, like, low... I just, like... Kat did not reserve judgment. (laughs) (laughs) It is a filthy life. Because I was, like, 
dirty is not dirty enough. What's dirtier than dirty? Filthy. Um, so <laughs> Trump. <laughs> Tr- yeah, exactly. Like See your reaction? Ugh. Boom. Got it. <laughs> so after Jane getting a degree in sociology in 1970, she went to work for the chief deputy to the city councilman, David S. Cunningham Jr. So after that, Waters entered the California State Assembly in 76. During this time, she worked tirelessly to divest state pension funds from any business active in South Africa. As she should. Be- because, like, Bay was like, apartheid, not today. No, not <laughs> feeling it. So, <laughs> apartheid, not today. You should create a sweater that has that on it. <laughs> Um, so uh, in the, um, nineties, in the early nineties, she was elected to the U S house of representatives with over 79% of the popular vote. So it was, it wasn't like, uh, okay, maybe no, it's like, please, please auntie Maxine get in right now. Please. Like this is, she was wanted (laughs) and let me translate (laughs) and every year. Well, every election after that, she carried a minimum of a 70% of the popular vote. Mm. So for years, for years, if you, if you are from Illinois, you're like next governor, next governor. Oh, that one's arrested. That one's in jail. We like, we, we can't have elected officials for too long. Oh, except in Chicago where the dailies like kind of ran things for way over my entire life. Yes. Camera like by the the steady piece. (laughs) Why? <laughs> Just go. Where's like our next Harold Washington? Like, oh, get out of here, Rom. The, the, but like, let's not let's let's keep on about right. our positivity. Yes, <laughs> positivity, general sledge, etc. Therefore, and so forth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> therefore, so far, therefore, <laughs> and so forth. <laughs> so also in uh, 1990s, um, Maxine also, along with uh, 15 other African-American women and men, formed the African-American Women for Reproductive Freedom. Mm. I, right? Mm. Right? So, like, she was just like, hey, ladies, you get to choose. Yeah. Hey, South Africa. Yeah. Not today. <laughs> and just continues. Like, she's the senior most U.S. rep member of the like very limited amount of black women that are actually in office, but she's like an inspiration. She is a life force. Queen. She ain't taking shit from nobody. <laughs> not today, not ever. You can come for her, but she's she's got your number, Bill O'Reilly. If anybody's like, is that unprofessional? I do not care. <laughs> I will not be dissuaded. She's very like. It don't. It does not matter if she's politically correct or not. She gonna say, people talk about how they don't want to be politically correct anymore. They only like it when it's Trump and not when it's Maxine. Right. Right. Exactly. So uh, anyway, that is Maxine Waters and her incredible life. Um, well, like it's like not everything. She has done she's so much alive, more. So. Yeah. <laughs> and she's she just has like, more. this is just, she's done so much in her time as a U.S. rep that like, I just couldn't capture it all up in this right here. So definitely go out, do your research, pay her like respects, like tweet, tweet her. her. <laughs> 
her. I know. Stop that. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> and like, you know, check her out and be inspired. Let's get more women of color in Congress. Am I right? You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to run. I'm going to run. And I then walk in, in my in my black pants and white shirt and loafers and be like, this is what I'm wearing today. <laughs> I'm president. <laughs> I would vote for you. Um, so it's time for the credits. You can like us on Facebook at Unlearned. You can follow us on Twitter at Unlearned underscore shy. Write to us on unlearnedpodcast at gmail.com. Check out our website at unlearnedpodcast.com. Thanks to James C. Green for our music and graphics. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Hit subscribe and rate our show. We greatly appreciate it. And check out our other post-loudness shows featuring other talented queer female and people of color voices. Uh, that is everything. So nice to talk to you guys today in this mini-sode. Bye. Bye. Bye.